Welcome to our teaching today, where Christ's Word is the center of our world. We are about to listen to the undiluted Word of God from the throne of grace with Pastor Philip Ransom Bello. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 16. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 16. Today I'm going to be talking about the blood of the new covenant. The blood of the new covenant. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 16. I think we should start from verse... 10. Let's use the message version. But are limited to matters of ritual and behavior. I think that's a continuation from verse 8. So let's just begin from verse 8. We'll go all the way down to the end. The Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. It was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to the conscience see that word in regard to the conscience it means that the old testament couldn't clear the conscience the old testament couldn't do anything to the conscience verse 10 Concerned only with foods and drinks, various washings and fleshly ordinances imposed until the time of reformation. But Christ, somebody say, but Christ. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater, someone say greater, greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is not of this creation. So it means there are two tabernacles. There, there's the one here on the earth and then there is a second in heaven. The one here on earth was a symbol of the one in heaven. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with the blood or with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal Redemption. No, no, no. Use the message version all through. Let's use the message version all through. Do you have the message version? Okay. So go to verse 10 again. I want you to see something. Fantastic. But a limited to matters of ritual and behavior. It is essentially a temporary arrangement until a complete behavior could be made. Next verse. But when the Messiah arrived, high priest of the superior things of this new covenant, he bypassed the old tent and its trappings in this created world and went straight into heaven's tent, the true holy place. Once he also bypassed the sacrifices consisting of goat and calf blood, instead using his own blood as the price to set us free once and for all. Can we celebrate Jesus for what he did? Next verse. I want you to just see the scripture because the scriptures are self-explanatory in themselves. In that animal blood and the other rituals of purification were effective, were effective in cleaning up certain matters of our religion and behavior. Think how much more the blood of Christ 
cleans up our whole lives inside and out. Through the Spirit, Christ offered himself as an unblemished sacrifice, freeing us from all those dead-end efforts to make ourselves respectable so that we can leave all out for God. Like a wheel that takes effect when someone dies. I want you to follow the gist. The new covenant was put into action at Jesus' death. Let me say something here. We'll just pause for a, for a bit. The new covenant does not start from Matthew. So when you open your Bible, you see Old Testament, New Testament. The New Testament doesn't begin with Matthew. Because testament means covenant. Covenant means wheel. And the wheel of someone is read after the person is dead. So the Old Testament begins from Exodus. But the New Testament is not the portion of your Bible that says New Testament. The New Testament actually begins from the death of Jesus Christ. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The synoptic gospels and John are the story of the one who was the mediator of the new covenant. So that's why you see the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It gives you the birth of Jesus, how he grew up, his daily walk, his daily um, interaction with people, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and all of that. But the New Testament isn't actually starting from there. It's starting from the cross. So see what it says. It's like a wheel that takes effect when someone dies. The new covenant was put into action at Jesus' death. His death marked the transition from the old plan to the new plan. Somebody say old plan. Old plan. To what? The to the new plan. Canceling the old obligations and accompanying sins and summoning the heirs to receive the eternal inheritance that was promised them. He brought together God and his people in this new way. Say hallelujah. Next verse. Even the first plan. What is the first plan? If you've been following the teaching, what's the first plan? The first plan is the Old Testament. Say the Old Testament. Testament is covenant. So the first plan, even the first testament or the first covenant required a death to set it in motion. After Moses had read out all the terms of the plan of the law, God's will, he took the blood of sacrificed animals and in a solemn ritual sprinkled. Now this is where many of us make a mistake. He sprinkled the document and the people who were its beneficiaries. So Moses would sprinkle the documents, the law and the people. That's where the church has gotten the idea of praying that way. I sprinkle you with the blood of Jesus. So we don't sprinkle the blood of Jesus. Amen. Yes, and I would, I would show you why. You don't sprinkle the blood of Jesus. Amen. So, but let's keep going. And then he attested its validity with the words. This is the blood of the covenant commanded by God. He did the same thing with the place of worship and its furniture. 
Moses said to the people, this is the blood of the covenant God has established with you. Practically everything in a wheel hinges on a death. If there's going to be a wheel, something has to die. But in the Old Testament, what was dying? Animals, calves, goats, bulls. Those were the things dying to reenact the covenant of the Old Testament or of the first plan. But let's keep going. He says, God has established with you practically everything in a wheel hinging on a death. That's why blood... The evidence of death is used so much in our tradition, especially regarding the forgiveness of sins. That accounts for the prominence of blood and death in all these secondary practices that point to the realities of heaven. It also accounts for why when the real thing takes place. What is the real thing? So, the Old Testament was the type and the shadow. But the real thing was the real thing. The substance is Jesus Christ. The real thing is him. The Old Testament was a foretype or a shadow of the real thing to come. I don't have time to go through that. But I would have shown you how that from the outer court to the inner court. That's the middle place. And then the holy of holies. Everything there was speaking of Jesus. Starting from the gate that the Israelites will pass through to come into the compound. The gate there speaks of Jesus. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So he's the way. He's the gate. Then you get into the compound, you see a big bowl of water. It's called the lava. The lava is what the high priest uses to wash his hands after he has done the sacrifices. So... That water is speaking of Jesus because he is the water of life. He is the one who, according to what he said to the woman that he met, at the, uh, the Samaritan woman, that there is water that I will give to you that you will not thirst again. So he is the water of life. Then you come to the other side, there is the, uh, the brazen uh, the altar where you put the sacrifice of the animal on that brazen altar. That speaks of the cross of Jesus, uh, which was a type and shadow of the sacrificing of the, of the lamb. Then you're moving to the tent. You have um, the table of showbread. You have the candlesticks. And you have the burning incense. The table of showbread, Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. So everything in the temple is talking about Jesus. You have the light, the one stem of light that breaks into three branches to the left and to the right, the candlestick. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. So from the gate to the water, to the brazen altar, to the light, to the bread, Jesus is everything. And then you move to, you move to the veil that separates the middle compartment with the holies of holies. Or the Holy of Holies. The veil that was torn symbolizes the tearing of his body. So Jesus is everything. And then you come into the Holy of Holies, see the Ark of the Covenant. And what, what is there? You have the mercy seat on the Ark of the Covenant. And you see Jesus, who is our propitiation 
for sins. And if you open the lid, which is the mercy seat, you see inside the Ark of the Covenant three things that will arouse the anger of God. What are these three things? The first one is Aaron's rod that budded. The second one is manna that fell from heaven. And the third is the table of stones or the Ten Commandments. So when you see the Ten Commandments inside, covered by the mercy seat, God is saying that I remember the law you broke. So I am constantly angry with the Israelites when he's looking from up. Because on the mercy seat, there are two cherubims. There is the first cherubim that is looking on one end that covers the mercy seat. And there is another cherubim on the other end that the wings also hover and cover the mercy seat. So God is looking from above and he's seen the things that are under the mercy seat. The law that was broken by the children of Israel, he's angry. And he's seen Aaron's rod that budded. He's angry because they rejected his authority. They wanted to establish their own high priest. And God said, no, the one I'm choosing for you is Aaron. But to make it a sign that you rejected my authority in the matters of spiritual guidance, put Aaron's rod there. And the third thing you, you see there is the manna. They got tired of God's provision. So everything inside the mercy seat is making God angry. That is the reason why the high priest has to put blood on top of the mercy seat. So that when God is looking from up, he's not seeing the things that makes him angry. But he's seen the blood that covers the things that makes him angry. But you see the problem with that blood is that that blood could only do for once a year. You had to do it the second year because the blood is not strong enough. The quality of blood is in the quality of the one who lived before it died. So how do you now attest the quality or the validation of a blood that it's an animal that has no connection to you? But the Bible says it was still good enough for a season. Until the real deal showed up. Now that real deal is Jesus. Because by his own blood. His own blood did not just atone. Right? It did not just cover the things that makes God angry. But it blots them out. It flushes them. He, used, he uses the flooding technique. God uses the... Any, any time God doesn't like anything, he floods. That's something I've noticed about God. If God doesn't like something, he will flood it. Oh, I'm not happy with the world. The people have become so wicked and so, you know, atrocity everywhere. What do we do? Flooding system. God opened the ground to bring waters from the deep. Now, it wasn't just rain that was falling from up. Go read your Bible, you see. God made the rain to fall for 150 days and he opened the ground or opened the deep to pour water. Water was coming from down and from up. And there was something called the ark. I don't have time. Okay, there was something called the ark. The Bible says after 150 days, the ark rested. Ah, the ark rested. It means the ark had gone through the rigors of 150 days of storm and was not leaking. That if you want to deal with the storm, you have to stay in rest. Yes. So the ark rested 
Go, go read it. It's in the Bible. The Bible says that the ark rested. God rested after he, his creation from the day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, where he made man. Then the day seven, the Bible says that he rested. He didn't rest because he was tired. He rested because he was showing you how he did day one. He was showing you how he did day two, day three. So from day one to day six, he was operating from rest. If you want to discombobulate, is that correct grammar? Shambakata. If you want to discombobulate anxiety and your storms that are facing you, just sit down and rest. For you are seated with Christ in the heavenly places, far above principalities and powers. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. Not he who is trying to do activity. Sometimes your activity is unnecessary ginger that is coming from worry. Come on, tell your neighbor, take a chill pill and just rest in what Christ has done. Now the blood... He is interested, God does flooding techniques, so he floods the entire man, mankind. And he promises not to flood again after he did that. The Bible says that when the enemy comes in, like a flood of the Spirit of God, that's how you quoted it. But that's not the original way of the scripture. When the enemy comes in, the Bible is not saying originally when the enemy comes in like a flood. No. It says when the enemy comes in, like a flood, the Spirit of God will flush. So God is in the flooding business. So now the blood of bulls and goats, ah, the blood of bulls and goats could only cover what was making God angry in the mercy seat. But in the time of Jesus, it is not trying to cover. No, he's flooding your sins and pronouncing you not guilty. You are not just a forgiven sinner. You were made righteous. You don't understand? It means that when Jesus rose up on the third day, the person who died is not the person who rose. That's why when Jesus showed up, the people could not recognize him. He had to tell, I'm the one. So the Jesus who died had my sins my iniquity and my shame on him. And when he died and he rose, he rose up new. It means that the new man has no evidence of the sin that died with the old man. It means that now I have come into oneness with him and I am the righteousness of God. Ooh, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. When the real thing, when the real, real thing takes place, these animal sacrifices aren't needed anymore. Having served their purpose. For Christ didn't enter the earthly version of the holy place. He entered the place itself. The Old Testament priests were carrying blood into temples that were made by men. 
But Jesus, when he died, his blood didn't get back to him. He took his own blood. Mary Magdalene saw Jesus and wanted to touch Jesus when he called her name and she said, Rabboni, which is master. And she wanted to give him a big hug. And Jesus said, don't touch me because I've not yet ascended to my father and your father. Go tell my brethren. Ah, people he called friends before he died. He said, this time I no longer call you as servants, but I call you friends. This was before he died. But he couldn't call them brothers. But after he died, he said, go tell my brothers. Meaning that you have come into sonship with Jesus. And you know, in the kingdom, we don't do privileged sonship. We do patterned sonship. It means that Jesus is not so much a superior son than you are. I... He said that you are seated with him. That when he rose up 2,000 years ago, you were in his history. You were there before you were born. That the moment you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, automatically your history becomes one that was alive when he rose. So Ephesians 2 verse 6 teaches us that he raised us up together. And we're seated with him together. Jesus is not lapping you. No, he's not lapping you. So, for example, Evangelist Rema gave her life or received Christ. Not gave her life. Received Christ. Ten years ago. Ten years ago, in your mind, is when she's ascended to be seated. Then, Simon receives Christ two years ago. And it is two years ago that he ascended to be seated. That's not correct. Everyone who received Christ sat at the same time. The same time Jesus sat is when we sat. God is not saying to Jesus, oh boy, any space there? Somebody, somebody just confess me now. So, find space for that your... Shifts there, any space there. You, if you do any harm, I will move you because there are other people who are coming. Are you getting it? So you have to secure your secure your estate. <laughs> you have to secure your space. No. Hey. You say you were raised. That is before you got there, you were raised first. And then, oh, he and raised us up together. The key word is together and made us sit, not after him, not after him. You're not sitting on top of somebody who is sitting on top of somebody who is sitting on top of somebody. No, 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 no. We are sitting with him in the heavenly places in Christ, far above principalities and powers. So tell me which witch is bothering you. Did you hear when the Bible says that you are far? I want you to shout the far. Far above principalities and powers, you are seated. So he who sits shall laugh. In the Old Testament, no high priest had a chair. Because every high priest must stand. So when you open, when you open uh, the veil, 
There is the mercy, the Ark of the Covenant, but there is no chair in there. If you come into the holy place, the middle compartment, you have the candlestick, you have the showbread, but there is no chair there. So it means the high priest and the priest must stand in the offering of their duty. But when Jesus went up, the Bible says the first thing God asked him to do is to sit. What does that mean? The high priest of the old could not sit down because the work has not finished. Hey. It means they have to come back every year again. But in the New Testament, Jesus is not standing. He's sitting to show that everything is finished. He said it on the cross of Calvary, it is finished. What is the meaning of it is finished? It is finished means that this covenant I am enacting is a unilateral covenant. I don't need you. It means that I have done it all by myself and it is good enough. It is finished. It is an unconditional covenant. Glory to God. He said it is finished. Let's keep going before I get lost. For Christ didn't enter the earthly version of the holy place. He entered the place itself and offered himself to God as the sacrifice for our sins. Next verse. He doesn't do this every year. As the high priest did under the old plan. With blood that was not their own. The high priest was taking animal blood. But Jesus was taking his own blood. So he was both the high priest and the lamp. Ha! Jesus strive for also. <laughs> oh my goodness. Sometimes when I just sit down and I'm, you don't know what to thank God for. Thank him for the fact that 2,000 years ago, Somebody knew you before your father, your grandfather, your great-grandfather could have thought about conceiving you, walked the path for you, shed his blood in every possible way. Because the blood of the animal had to be extravasated from the animal. At every given point, there will be no blood left in that animal. Jesus shed his blood in every way. He began with sweating. Pressure. Oh, Jesus took pressure for you. Oh, pressure, pressure, pressure. Jesus took pressure for me. Jesus took stress for me. Do you understand? You can never be stressed. Because if you are in Christ, you are not stressed. You are walking, oh, but you are not stressed. I was, I was talking to some people in worry, um, I think it was last week. And I said to them, stress is a demon. Because many times, we're very quick to bind in the demon of calamity. You demon of all those big, big names that you know are obviously Satan. Every demon of poverty. Every demon of untimely death. But see, sometimes I just wake up and I say, I rebuke the demon of stress. Because stress is a demon. We were praying some weeks ago and we started to say, if you are feeling stressed, rebuke it. You are feeling stressed over the things you should love. 
feeling just unnecessarily tired, you're going to work, you're just overwhelmed. Monday morning has come, you're just overwhelmed. You're with family, you're just overwhelmed, you're just tired. Rebuke the demon of stress. Jesus went through stress for you. He was sweating and blood came, came out. It's called hemohydrosis, where you are sweating and under intense pressure, emotional pressure, physical pressure, your, your sweat glands just begin to open out and blood is popping out from your sweat glands. Hemohydrosis. That's the beginning of his spilling of blood. He didn't even start with the nails. Then some guys just came and put a thorn of crown on his head. And, 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 and he started to bleed from the head. And the soldier started to scourge him. Bleeding from his back. Bleeding from the side. Then the nails, every possible means at that time that blood could be shed, he shed his blood. And then there was also the spare after he was hung on the cross. But he carried his own blood for you and I. So he says, if that had been the case, it would have, he would have to sacrifice himself Repeatedly throughout the course of history. But instead, he sacrificed himself how many times? Once and for all. Summing up all the other sacrifices. In this sacrifice of himself. The final solution of sin. Everyone has to die once. Then face the consequence. Christ's death was also a one-time event, but it was a sacrifice that took care of sins forever. And so, when he next appears, the outcome for those eager to greet him is precise salvation. There is no fear in his coming. Jesus is coming and some people are shaking. There's one prayer that I just find very disturbing. My brother... Remain rapturable. Remain rapturable. Oh. You are the one now who wants to be rapturable. Or I pray that you make heaven. No, no, no. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. Because it's a genuine prayer coming from the heart of sincerity. So when people make that prayer, they are sincerely praying for you. Don't laugh at them. You know, I always say this. If you see someone who doesn't know what you know, don't spite the person because you were once there before. So, you know, knowledge puffs up. So the fact that someone is saying something and the person is not speaking on your level of knowledge, you now start to look down on the person. That's a prideful spirit. That's pride. That's pride. So when people make that prayer, I pray that you make heaven. It's ignorance. We're not praying to make heaven. I thought you were sitting already. It is precise salvation. If you put faith in Christ, sir, you are in heaven. There is no fear of will I make it or shall I not make it? No, there's no fear. If you put faith in Christ, so why did Jesus die if you could make it yourself? Think about it. If you could go to heaven yourself, there was no need for a savior. 
So that's why John looks at Jesus and says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes him. Sin is not your problem anymore. So God is not looking at your works, your efforts to determine if you will make heaven or not. No. God is looking at the sacrifice of his son. He's saying to himself, is that sacrifice perfect? If the answer is yes, then you are fine. It was about the sacrifice, not about you. So you are not remaining rapturally boo. You are already there. You are not a physical human being having spiritual experiences. You are a spirit being having human experiences. So you are already seated there. And you are just having human experiences. The blood of Jesus washed my sins, cleansed me, made me perfect. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. Use the King James, yeah. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. Next verse. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. Next verse. To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. Now, this is where a lot of people have issues because, pastor, if the blood of Jesus is referred to here as the blood of sprinkling, then why are you saying it is a once and for all thing? Because it is called the blood of sprinkling. Now, hear this. The blood of Jesus was sprinkled only once. Only once. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 12. Let me show you that. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 12. It says, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. So the blood of Jesus was sprinkled. Please, let me put a disclaimer. You are not the one who do the sprinkling. It is Jesus, the high priest, who does the sprinkling. But you can plead the blood of Jesus. But you don't sprinkle the blood. You are not holding it to sprinkle. It's the high priest who sprinkles the blood. So the point I'm trying to make to you here is that that blood was sprinkled once. And it's not sprinkled a second time again. But if you go back to Hebrews chapter 12 verse 24, it calls it the blood of sprinkling for a reason. It is called the blood of sprinkling because the blood is talking. The blood is still speaking. So even though it was sprinkled once before, that blood sprinkled once is speaking right now. God said to Cain, what is it that you have done because the voice of your brother's blood is crying from the ground? It means that the voice of Abel was talking. Now how much more Let's keep going. It says, the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. So, what is the meaning of the blood of sprinkling? 
It is called sprinkling because it speaks both in heaven and both on the earth. In heaven, it speaks of the perpetual ransom of the new covenant. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 20. That's where I get my name from. It speaks of the perpetual ransom of the new covenant. Now made a God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead. That great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant. So it is called the blood of sprinkling because it is speaking of the everlasting covenant in heaven. How does it speak here on the earth? It speaks on the earth because it deals with the conscience of the man. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 14. Let me show you that. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 14 says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works? So the blood of sprinkling is dealing with your conscience now. The, it's called the blood of sprinkling because it is speaking clarity to your conscience. The Old Testament, uh, the blood of bulls and goats could not affect the conscience of the worshippers. But the blood of Jesus goes not just to your body. It doesn't just clean your body. It doesn't just purify the outward. It goes into your conscience. That's why Hebrews says, therefore we can come boldly because there is a clean conscience. Someone who has a bad conscience is always running away. But the one whose conscience is pure by the blood of Jesus, we come boldly to the throne of grace. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Now look at, look at Hebrews chapter 10 verse 22 as well. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. I need to take a pause there because of that pure water. My God, Jesus, ah, this Holy Ghost break, amen. Pure water, pure water found its way into the Bible. Oh, God is good. It says the blood, it says assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled. So say with me, my heart is sprinkled. From what? What is an evil conscience? An evil conscience is the conscience of guilt and accusation. Your heart has been sprinkled from guilt and condemnation. Do you understand what I'm saying? Your heart has been sprinkled from guilt and condemnation. That is why, like I said to you last week, you can come boldly, not like Moses who put a veil on his face, but you can come boldly and declare what you have because your heart is sprinkled from an evil conscience. Oof. Finally, Hebrews or Revelations chapter 12 from verse 10. Revelations chapter 12 from verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser. Now I told you about evil conscience. The accuser of our brethren who accused them before 
our God day and night has been cast down. How please? Next verse. And they overcame the accuser by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life to the death. What is it saying? That by the blood of Jesus, the accuser was cast down. When you plead the blood of Jesus, you read yourself of every guilt and every condemnation. It says that by the blood of Jesus and by the words of their testimony. What is the meaning of the word of their testimony? Word of their testimony means you testify what the blood has done. So when you wake up in the morning and you tell yourself, because blood was shed for me, I have favor with God. You are speaking by the word of the testimony of the blood. It is, we overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of my testimony. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? By the word of my testimony. So I overcome the devil. The blood of the lamb is what the lamb did. But my part is my testimony. So the question is, what is your testimony after everything has been done and said? What are you confessing? Ah, Psalms 103 from verse 1. Psalms 103 from verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. Let's see the benefits. Next verse. Who forgives all our iniquities? Oh, but hold on just before you celebrate. Who forgives? If I went to school like you did. Forgives is present continuous tense. Who heals? Heals is present continuous tense. Next one. Who redeems is present continuous tense. Who crowns is present continuous tense. This is David, Old Testament. David, Old Testament. David, Old Testament. Why is David saying forgives? Why is David saying heals? He's saying that because the blood in the Old Testament could not do it once. Oh my goodness. The blood of the Old Testament had to do it every time. The sacrifice of the Old Testament was a present, continuous sacrifice. You do it this year, you must come back next year to do it. You must come back upper year to do it. So David says, who forgives because of the experience in the tabernacle? But you and I who have come into the new covenant. How do we read this scripture? Go back to verse 2. Let me see if we have gospel students in the house bless the lord oh my soul and forget not all his benefits now let's see the benefits who why are you saying forgave because the blood of jesus has been offered once for you and i it's not a repeated sacrifice so who has forgiven all my iniquities who has healed me I'm not trying to be healed I'm the healed of God already who has what redeemed 
my life from destruction. I don't care what has been thrown at you. You have been redeemed from destruction. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You have been redeemed from destruction. No devil can throw any fiery darts at you. No fear of sickness can come at you and give you a panic attack. No. That your father was hypertensive, your mother was hypertensive. Look, there is healing in the blood of Jesus. There is redemption in the blood of Jesus. Who has crowned me with loving kindness and tender mercies. I'm not trying to be crowned. I am already crowned. Who has satisfied my mouth? How many people's mouth here has been satisfied? I don't know who it is that I'm talking to. You know, you want to help me now? I don't know who it is, but is your mouth satisfied? Somebody shout good things, good things, good things. My mouth is satisfied with good things all the way. And he has renewed me like an eagle. Mama, that's your word. You are renewed like an eagle. It's a new year for you. You are renewed like an eagle. Lift your hands, everybody. I'm renewed like an eagle. He has healed me of all my sins. Forgive me of my sins. Heal me of all my disease. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. The blood of Jesus has brought me into favor. The blood of Jesus has brought me into blessings. The blood of Jesus has brought me into redemption. I'm not trying to have it. I have it already. Stop looking for what you already have. Look at your neighbor and say, stop searching for what you already have. You already have it. Come on, tell your neighbor, you have it, you have it. Now you say after me, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. I have it. If you know you have it, wave your hands and shout hallelujah. You have it because... The blood of Jesus has done it once and for all. So when I wake up in the morning, I tell myself, blood was shed for me. And because blood was shed for me, I'm favored. I'm healed. I'm blessed. I'm the blessed of God. Wave your hands and shout hallelujah. It was this same blood. Ooh, Shanda. The same blood that when Moses peeled on the lintel of the walls and God said when I see the blood I will pass over I came to tell you this is your season of Passover all those danger those problems calamity that was supposed to land on you it is passing over because the blood of Jesus has been shed if you are the one I'm talking to shout yeah somebody Hey, and you know what that blood did? That blood gave the children of Israel favor. People who were oppressing the Israelites, people who were oppressing the Jews, after many years of bondage, what happened? The Bible says they began to give them their gold, their silver. And as they left, they left to the possession of the Egyptians. Let me define favor for you. Favor means that they don't have to like you. Oh, you don't hear what I'm saying. They don't have to like your face. But they will do what God has commanded them to do. They will bless you regardless. It doesn't matter whether they are from your state or not. Whether they know you or not. You don't need long leg in the kingdom. Jesus is your long leg already. You don't need any man to do what God 
can do. How many favored people are here? Wave your hands, jump on your feet, and shout, I am favored. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I'm the blessed of God. I'm the favored of God. I'm the redeemed of the I don't know about you. Talk your own. I'm redeemed. I'm favored. I'm healed. I'm blessed. I'm delivered. I'm raised up. I'm victorious. Shout yes, somebody. Clap your hands and celebrate God because you are the favored of God. Celebrate him because he has favored you. By the blood of Jesus, he has favored you. By the blood of Jesus, you are favored. Hallelujah. Lift your hands, everybody. Lift your hands, everybody. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. And for more information about the Standpoint Church, visit our social media platform on www.facebook.com slash standpointabj, twitter.com slash standpointabj, instagram.com slash standpointabj, and on soundcloud.com slash standpointabj.